This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast every step along the way. This podcast, as always, is supported by our friends at the Stoke City fans from all around the world Facebook group. And this week we'll take a brief look back at unfortunately two losses versus Sheffield United and Bournemouth. We'll look ahead to the tasty away fixture this weekend against Millwall. As always, love some audio from the Millwall camp and also Graham McGarry. We'll look at his predictions and we'll discuss all the news and updates around the club this week. Okay, so uh, I'd normally kind of introduce uh, Dan at this particular point, but unfortunately, uh, Dan's got man flu, also known as COVID uh, still. Uh, we did refer to it last week, um, but um, I must admit we've got more than a, an adequate uh, replacement. And uh, it's Ben from the YYY Files. Uh, ben, thank you so much for joining me, mate. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's typical uh, that you brought me on on a week where um, two consecutive losses. We've not had that this season. Um, so this this might be a more negative podcast than your listeners are used to, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll, we'll move on to some of the polls later on, mate. And I think um, that's been reflected on the polls this week. Um, mm. I think the confidence is starting to turn a little bit, which I think is a, a bit harsh, but I, I get it. Um, but yeah, so just before we kind of get into things, guys, as you know, we always like to say a big thank you to everyone who's been listening. Uh, last week's pod uh, was actually the uh, the busiest pod that we've had since we started. So thank you to everybody. Um, it, it never ceases to amaze us again in terms of like the, the scope of the Stoke City world, Ben. I mean, I know obviously with the YYY files, you've got um, you've got a pretty much global audience, and you know we've we've got people again last week from the US and Australia and Qatar and Brazil and various other countries, and um, I mean it's it's great to see, but uh, it's just it's amazing, isn't it, just how far and wide this Stoke City community goes? It really is. I, like I've been surprised as my time as a Stoke fan, just how diverse it is and how loyal people are, despite you know with Championship football particularly, it's not that accessible. I know the live streams these days are helping, but you get no extra coverage. This is as good as it gets, pretty much. And yeah, it's just nice to see that something that's, you know, this is only a couple of months old. The season started a couple of months ago and look at all the people you're getting listening. So um, hello to everyone. And and, and yeah, it, it, it means a lot when you you guys do tune in as, as much as it probably means a lot to you for, for having content to listen to as well. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. We we do appreciate all the feedback we get. And um, just for anyone else who obviously hasn't come across yourself, Ben, which um, they must have been living under a rock, if that's the case, mate, but huh. you've been, you've been around for a while. Would you mind just giving us a bit of an intro? Uh, you're the best man for it in terms of, you know, your kind of background, uh, where your Stoke kind of history came from, and obviously, not, you know, what you're doing with your pods right now. Yeah, of course. So, uh, as, as Mike said, my name's Ben. Um, and most recently, I am the host of Stoke City Podcast, The YYY Files. A uh, little bit of background, I first became a Stoke fan in 2009. My first game was uh, Stoke nil, Birmingham nil, and that really should have been the end of it, really. But the atmosphere got infectious. I fell in love with the fans over time, and the one-off game turned into going to, to cup games, to going to several league games, to getting season tickets, to wanting to get involved with the Stoke community more than I was already doing as a as a consumer. I wanted to create and that that's that spiraled and i've done all sorts um been on sky sports talking about it i was on talksport radio of the week um i'm on bbc radio stoke a few times done all sorts for other bits and bobs for s- not just stoke other other clubs podcast too um so it's 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 nice to be on something like like this as always i i really do love doing this sort of thing i don't do it for love nor money i i well no sorry i do do it for love i don't do it for money so uh <laughs> so you're saying yeah. we're not paying you i don't know what you think no you are absolutely not but then i i think it takes the fun out of it when you're getting paid right it's like anything that you turn professional i mean if you if you're getting paid for it and and loving what you're doing you're you're a very 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 lucky person dude yeah absolutely i think it's one of them as well mate if, if it's your job all of a sudden it's your job um, mm-hmm. And I think you've got constraints again. Obviously, if people like BBC Radio Stoke and stuff, they've got to be careful, very, very careful what they say. Um, and uh, it kind of washes down the content a little bit for me. But that's a luxury, like you say, that me and you don't have to worry about. We've still got to be careful, but yeah, still. Um, yeah, thank <laughs> you, Ben. It's, I say, it's really good, mate. And, uh, you know, it's people like yourself who obviously inspired me and Dan to, to set this up. So, um, as always, thank you very much. Um, and I guess, you know, let's start off with a bit of a loop back. Uh, we'll keep the first one a bit kind of brief because I don't think we all really want to uh, relive these too much. But uh, Sheffield United, Ben. Um, so, yeah, uh, I mean, obviously a, a narrow defeat. I mean, I'll I'll give you kind of my, my thoughts to to begin with. But I thought, you know, it was, I thought it was quite a disappointing result overall. I mean, obviously a few minutes of madness really kind of kind of cost us um and, and if anything it was been a little bit unlike us this season we've not really been switching off in that kind of nature for me and i don't know i think some of the comments in, in the paper around and we just saying the other day about oh you know these are the teams you've got to beat if you want to get promoted and i'm keen to get your thoughts here mate because i actually don't agree with that i think you're gonna have games like Sheffield, like Bournemouth, I mean, typically like West Brom, but obviously we had a good result. But you're going to have these games where you don't win. And I think it's the games against the, the Mill Walls and the Prestons. They're the games you need to win. I mean, am I being a bit unrealistic, do you think? Or... Um, I I think that's relatively fair. I mean, you, you look at our results this season and we, up until this week, have been incredible at home. Really incredible when you think that the one loss we've had, uh, the, the one not win we've had was against Barnsley and we absolutely battered them, battered them to a pulp 1-1 it's just, that's where we've got our results from, away from home it's it's, it's been decent, it's been better than it has in previous seasons for sure but we're still not remarkable, you know, games like Fulham for example, there's been other games where we've we've clawed victories and clawed points Um, I think Swansea was 
a very good performance on the whole, but that's the only one that sticks out to me on the top of my head as, as a fantastic all-round performance. The rest, we've just sort of got through games, and the first half was certainly that for the Sheffield United game. I, I must admit, I was watching the first half of this game over my shoulder as I was doing other bits this week, um, and I I was not impressed with what I was seeing. I, I, no. I think that's fair enough. Um, we were terrible on the whole, and Sheffield United absolutely battered us. Fair play. They they really should have scored a goal. Second half, I don't know what Michael O'Neill said or did, but we were much, much better. And we were well-deserving of the goal that came. And we were well in control of the game after that. And you're right, it's just two stupid, stupid lapses of concentration in the last 10 minutes. And it's cost us three points against a team who, you know, they've had a bad start, but I think Sheffield United are going to end up trying to push for top six this season, if not the top two, depending on how their run goes. So yeah. losing out to that sort of arrival in the way that we did, considering that we were well in control, is disappointing. Um, I think it led to a lack of confidence going into the next game, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And you could see that in the players. You could see they were gutted with what happened. We we deserved, based on our second half performance, I, I think a point from that game. Um, like I say, batted in the first half and, and I don't think anyone will have any complaints that, you know, Sheffield United won that game. But at the same time, yeah, it's the first time I've I've looked at Stoke this season and gone, that's 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 really poor. That's not good enough. Do you think we're being found out a little bit? I mean, like you said, we'll speak about Bournemouth in a second, but I just feel as if our wing-back type of formation at the minute has just been... I don't, I don't know if it's been found out or whether teams are just starting, starting to press us in a different way, but it seems to be much less effective than it was in those first few games to me. I think you're right. I I, I do wonder whether... I, I think the midfield is being found out, to be honest. I think the reason why the fullbacks have flourished is because they've had the space to be exploited, right? And yeah. I, I the centre-backs have been hitting them with some wonderful balls and the midfield has been helping with that, whether it be, you know, we can mix it up by going through the middle, which we have been doing with players like Vrancic, players like Sawyers. Um, they've just not been on it in the last couple of games, to be blunt. Um, and, and for me, it's the midfield that's letting us down. Are the wing-backs potentially suffering from a bit of fatigue? You wouldn't have thought so. We've just had an international break, but it, it seems that way. It seems like they've not been involved as much recently as they were in our first two stints with international breaks in there. You know, For the first two months of the season, they, they've been key to our success. They might not have m- made their headlines, most of the time, but the fullbacks have been great. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, but for me, it's all the the problems have stemmed from midfield. Yeah, no, they have, mate. And I think the fact that we keep having to switch around, you know, bringing Thompson in one week, Soy's in the next, Allen in the next, and I think any team who's successful has a settled midfield. And obviously, we've got the Nick Powell injury now to worry about, which is is just another <laughs> thing to add to to the issues in terms of what we do. But again, against Millwall this weekend, no doubt we're going to have a brand new midfield again. And it's just, there's no continuity there at the minute, like you say. And I think part of that, yes, is obviously down to things like the Powell injury. But um, I still, a little bit, to be fair, actually, a little bit like the strike force. O'Neill doesn't quite know what his best midfield is right now, I don't think. I don't think he mm. can quite kind of work out that that kind of dynamic. Um, I think we just need to go back um, to, to the West Brom formation 
personally go back to the West Brom formation, West Brom team, and just build it around that. Obviously, again, Bar Powell. But still, let's just go back to what we we know works. High pressure, high line, um, and go from there. I think I think we just need to stop trying to overcomplicate it, play our game. Because for me, mate, against Sheffield and against Bournemouth, he seemed to worry more about the opposition than, than how we could physically break them down. That that was mm. my concern, and that's how it came across to me anyway. I, you may have a different approach, but for me, that's exactly how it felt. I think part of Michael O'Neill's time at Stoke City, though, has been his ability to adapt to an opponent. Like We've not had a set style of play, really, since we've been here. We've seen glimpses of it this season and the way that he wants to play, but you think of the midfield options, they're, they're, they're so varied, and, you know you could say that that's great. You know, we can go into any game and we've got on paper a, a midfield to qualitatively match. You know, yes, they might not be as good as certain midfields. Um, but, you know, if you've got Sawyers as a person who likes to break the lines, you've got Thompson, who's decent at set pieces. You've got Rancic, who, you know, is the assist king. You've got Powell, who gets goals. You've got Allen, who's a headless chicken in a good way sometimes. Um, as as well as a bad way, you know what I mean. They're all very yeah. very different players, and that's great if you have those players in form. I think what what you struggle with is if you go into a game like Sheffield United, where you know players like Soyuz and Vrancic were needed to break the lines quickly, and they had an off day. We've got nobody like that on the bench to replace them, and that's why we struggle. I think sometimes. I, I look back to the Sheffield United game and go, the first half, the midfield was losing the ball all the time. The second half, it flowed much more nicely. And once they started to get going, the the back to front which was much better. And of course, attack is the best form of defence, yada, yada, yada. We, we didn't see as much of the ball towards our goal and much more of it towards the Sheffield goal. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, what can you do? We've sort of... It's it's great when it's going well and the players are in form because you've got the options. But at the same time, if they're not in form, you have to change your game plan. Yeah, 100%, mate. And you know what? I think one player I want to call out and actually takes me nicely onto the, the man of the match poll for, for that game. Um, so Jacob Brown, uh, we did a uh, you know a general man of the match poll, like I said. So it was Brown, Wilmot and Sawyers who uh, were the options for that particular one. Um, Wilmot came third with uh, with 12%. Um, second was Sawyers with 31 And then first was Jacob Brown with 50%. And I think it was a scattering of other comments as well. But um, I think Jacob's been probably one of the most consistent players. He gets... I think he gets, you know, a really hard rap, um, to be honest with you, uh, at Stoke, uh, from some fans. I'm not saying everyone, but, you know, I think it was a really tidy finish. You can't fault him for the finish he, he had. Something that, to be fair, I think a lot of people would, would hit him over the head where there's this actual poor finishing at times. But, you know, his, his running, his pace, he's constantly getting picked all the time from O'Neill. So, obviously, he's, of course, you know, clearly seeing something and I know O'Neill said in his press conference about you know all the other managers are talking to him about Brown and the issues that he causes um, it, it's funny because we, we've talked about this strike force and who we play up front but uh, Jacob seems to be one of them players who uh, is going to take a bit of drop in and it's not necessarily for his goal scoring attributes actually yeah it, it Jacob Brown it, where you think of what he didn't bring last season he didn't bring goals not enough of them for sure um his hold-up play wasn't the best. He 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 was bringing 
work rate, which Stoke fans always appreciate. And I think that that's why a lot of fans had a soft spot for him last season and, and saw the potential there. Um, and then you look at him this season, he's bulked up massively. His touch totally. seems much, much better. And, you know, he's he's bringing other people into play. Um, I I compare it a little bit to how Sawyer's, uh, not Sawyer's, uh, Sam Surridge was actually against Bournemouth. Again, we'll come on to that. But when he come on, some great link-up play. And actually, I think over the course of the season, Jacob Brown's been much better at that. His finishing is letting him down, to be honest. The goal that he scored against Sheffield United will bring him a world of confidence. It was an absolutely great strike. Um, Definitely. He genuinely reminds me of a Jonathan Walters sort of player. I, was about I don't to think say Walters that. was that that sort of finisher either. You know, he'd miss some absolute sitters too. But my God, you can't help but I I I don't get I don't get angry at Jacob Brown. I never really got angry at John Walters when he was playing. Sometimes. I got angry when he was out of form and he was undroppable by Pulis. And I wonder whether Brown will eventually get that same treatment because he's key, isn't he? He's key to the press. I think he's had a great turnaround this summer. As good as time and as good as anyone for us. Yeah, nail on, nail on the head, mate. He is a Johnny Walters mark too. And um, I think it'd be, like I say, it's going to be interesting because... I think one thing that we could find out with this whole midfield situation as well is, you know, sometimes an injury can actually help you stumble across uh, a, a formation or a, a kind of a dynamic up front or midfield, whatever it is, uh, and stumble across a really good team completely by accident. I saw Mark Hughes do it a few times. Um, and, you know, it should be interesting to see how it goes, but absolutely spot on, mate. Jacob Brown is a, is a Johnny Walters, and I think everyone loved John for his for his efforts, and I think everyone will start to love Jacob for, for what he brings to it. So, you know, you mentioned, you know, Bournemouth again, mate, and I'll let you take the lead on, on this particular point because you brought it up there. So what was your overall thoughts about last night? Um, I thought my person was very, very disappointing, but what, what were your general thoughts? See, this is where I think we're going to actually have a little bit of a difference of opinion. I thought we weren't good enough to beat a team like Bournemouth. I think that's completely clear and fair. I think that's disappointing because we were clearly completely good enough to beat a team like West Brom, right? We were sensational against them. I think it's disappointing that considering we're at home again and the momentum that we've been carrying over the last few weeks, despite the loss at the weekend, I think it's just disappointing that we weren't able to hit those heights. I think, to be honest, Stoke as a team yesterday was average I, I wouldn't go as far to say as they were poor you know Bournemouth are top of the league and they've not lost a game yet um they they come down from the Premier League last year and I, I they they're clearly a class bunch of players however I don't think they had too many more clear-cut chances than we did to nope. be honest with you their passing was a little bit slicker and to be honest they 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 dominated certain parts of the game but then i i think we played well and in in some aspects i thought we defended relatively well on the whole they had possibly three or four opportunities to be scared of but when you think of what we also created up front we had a similar amount of chances jacob brown should have scored after 20 seconds that <laughs> that like he absolutely should have done sam Klukas missed from about 6 yards out after I'm not sure who it was who hit the post. Tyrese Campbell Alan. should have, yeah, Alan. Tyrese Campbell should have scored when he come on. You know, it, it's it's frustrating in that sense for sure. 
again, the midfield let us down for me. Um, but I think there are genuine positives in that team. Brown was great again. His finishing, I, I, I think, let us down. And actually, he didn't bring an awful lot in the final third. But no. his press is relentless, absolutely relentless. And without him, I don't think we'd have the success that we have this season. Harry Suter, we've got to talk about him, right? I don't yeah. know about you, but <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've not seen a centre-back as good as him at Stoke. And I'm tempted to say full stop on that as well. Ooh, even better than Shawcross or Hooth. It's difficult because they 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 were great players and in a different league too, you know, they were playing against the Ronaldos and and, and your Agueros and your Diego Costas and blimey, I can't believe I've just lumped Diego Costa into them too. <laughs> um but you know what I mean, very different types of strike and they they, yeah. they held their own against them most of the time. Suter though, some of the things he's pulling off, both with his attacking senses distribution. The last ditch tackle he made last night was incredible. Um, his aerial presence. I think the only thing he's missing sometimes is is that he can make a couple of positional mistakes. I th- I th- and and sometimes he he rushes forward and dives into stuff. I, I remember one where Solanke sort of just touched it past him on the on the byline and 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 breeze past him when you know he just had to had to cover and defend the goal. But apart from that. Hey, there's so much raw potential with Suter and he will be better than Nathan Collins and, and I, I have no doubt about that either. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. I think you're right. I think there was one, I think another one where the ball went over, over his head and he's been guilty of that a couple of times. But you know what? Again, mm. he's, what is he, 21? Uh, I think 21, 22. Yeah. Um, either way, I mean, that's going to happen. Blinking up professionals at 35 years old that happens too so you know you could never criticize him for that and like you said that tackle you're referring to um pinpoint absolutely brilliant and mm. for i think what was it Solanke then went and tried to attack will wilmot a, a yeah. really dirty tackle i mean it, it was a perfectly fine tackle but typical professional footballers and typical bournemouth i would say to be honest but mm. yeah i mean our our differences in terms of um, Suter is absolutely not there. I think, yeah, you're right. Harry will be better than Collins. I'd say he was probably better than Collins when uh, now, to be honest. I, mm. I think Collins is, was solid. Um, I think Collins probably has slightly better distribution, better distribution at the minute. But again, give him time. Uh, that if, if he nails that part of his game, that's what's going to make him special in the Premier League, I think, in time. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the Bournemouth game, mate, um, I wouldn't say we overly differ. I just thought that I just thought we were quite poor across the board. But again, I would probably say that's partly partly our doing, but partly because Bournemouth looked really good, very well structured mm. across from top to bottom. They just looked well drilled, and we know mm. from experience ourselves if you're a well drilled team and they have got some talent. But even if you haven't got the talent, you know you can get through games, you can get results. So I think it probably was more the fact that we're probably facing a team that's going to go up automatically. I'm pretty confident they will. They'll have more than enough, I think. And um, again, I thought they stopped our wing play brilliantly. The pressure they did for 90 minutes was incredible. Literally a little bit like us against Swansea away, where we just didn't let them stop. That's exactly what they did. And I mean, I suppose we have to mention the the Davis save. Um, What's your Hmm. thoughts on this, mate? Because for me... He made it, it was a poor save, let's be honest, but it happens again. 
if you say it was Joe, you could say, well, it's inexperienced. But for for Davis, I think he should know better. And he seems to be every now and then he's a bit prone to an error. Um, would you see Davis as being the number one? And I don't want to kind of just drop him out of the team. I'm not trying to say that, but Joe potentially is the future. I mean, Davis is 30 or coming up to 30. Is it time that we just made Bursic number one and, and Davis the understudy, or are we being a bit too trigger happy? I think let's take it back and see what we've seen this season. So Bursic starts as number one, and I I hardly think he was our best player. I I he showed so much promise. You know, I think his 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 reflexes are outstanding. His distribution is very good. Um, perhaps some positional awareness, but again, you're right. He's young. He will get that. And I don't know. It just a couple of experienced things that cost him his place in the team. I think the Fulham game was the final nail in the coffin for that, and and yeah. out he went. Davis has come in, and to be honest, since Davis has been at Stoke, I've been very impressed. Same and here. he was unlucky not to be in when Butland was terrible. He was unlucky to get the injury last season, was it, when Bursic and Gunn had to come in? Um, I think you know, in any normal season, he'd have played the whole season. He he was great. Yes. Um, this season, I've I've seen mistakes come into his game that I weren't seeing last season. I still think he's a good goalkeeper, um, but just rushes of blood to the head, and it just causes stupid things like like that save, which was, to be honest, he makes a half decent save. We draw the game. We potentially go on to win the game. To be honest, mm-hmm. it's, it's it for me, Davis costs us any points yesterday and that's harsh but i i that's what i take it down to i know that stoke weren't at their best but for me we we looked comfortable enough i think that stoke would have taken a point from the game definitely um so based on that and based off what happened to bersic do you drop him i think he's not been at his best for a couple games either but then it's difficult with goalkeepers because if you drop them and, ro- and rotate them too much, you take that confidence out of them. And I, I do wonder whether, you know, there's going to be another international break in a couple of weeks and Bursic's surely going to play in the cup if Davis plays in the league. I do wonder whether it's worth sticking out with Davis until the next international break and we revisit there and just see. it. I, it it's a shame because they're two great goalkeepers and two great goal two two incredible goalkeepers last season we've not quite seen that from either of them yet this season but then i guess it's only against teams like fulham sheffield united bournemouth they've really been tested actually yeah i think i think you're right mate i think we should stick with him for the time being I mean, who knows against millwall he could make four or five key saves and we go up the other end and score and we're all praising him for keeping us in the game and getting helping us to get three points and it swings and roundabouts so i agree with you mate keep him for now but if he makes another couple of errors, I think he, he's going to be dropped again. Um, I think one of the, well, two other things I just want to pull out quickly before we move on. So um, Tyrese, good to see him back. Uh, I know, again, you know, there's that chance you referred to. Uh, a bit rusty. Again, it's going to happen like that. It's going to be like that for a few weeks. But, um, he, you know, there was a few comments, um, and I don't know if you saw him, mate, but about he looked a bit chunky. Um, hmm. And I don't know if it was just his shirt or he just put a bit of muscle on maybe, but 
Um, I must admit, I do agree. It did look a little bit chunky. And it might be a bit, bit, bit unfair, but I mean, even that aside, I mean, match fitness, we all know it's going to take a bit of time to get in there. But I thought the ovation from the fans was was amazing. Um, and, you know, I don't want to be too harsh on the, on the supporters um, at all, but I thought some comments I saw about pin drop is probably quite accurate. I thought it was a very flat atmosphere. Um, maybe, you know, people were having long weeks at work and they just didn't mm-hmm. have the energy, but uh, I, did, I did actually feel it was quite poor. Atmosphere, yeah, not ideal. Um, but then I think Bournemouth did well to kill that atmosphere pretty quickly, just with their general play. Mm-hmm. Um Great when Tyrese come on, give us the lift we needed. I thought it like the the sort of narrative led to Tyrese Campbell like like coming on in this game, you know, against a team top of the league, but particularly if we were losing, you know, having him on might have given the team the the boost it needed and the atmosphere. He got such a good reception. I I just hope that's not a sign of things to come where we are expecting too much of him. I'm sure you've talked about this. I know you've talked about this. And I know other people certainly talked about this. You know, he's still, he's barely an adult, you know. So let's give him a little bit of slack, especially in terms of things like match fitness and and perhaps looking a little bit chunkier. Um, To be honest, looking at him yesterday, the way he was playing the lines, I think there was two or three times he very nearly got in. If that's him not at his full match sharpness, God help the rest of the league for what he is match fit. Yeah, well, we've seen him, haven't we? We know what he's capable of. And I think um, it'd be interesting to see how quick he gets back up. And when... I don't think he'll start at the weekend. We'll come on to the teams later. I don't think he will start. But um, but no, absolutely, mate. Good, good, uh, good to see him back regardless. And obviously, he got through the game with that issue, which was important and the, just the one final thing I wanted to mention before we move on so um, one player who scares me to death is James Chester that guy I, I must admit he's like a hot potato at times he every time he gets it he's a bit like Sawyer's in the face a slow lethargic type of of attitude to things and he seems so uneasy playing it out from the back the amount of times he tried to play that through ball into midfield and we got caught out fair Wilmot did it a couple of times but I don't know what your thoughts on Chester are, mate, but for me, we've got to try and find a replacement. Um, obviously, Ostergaard could probably do a job there anyway, but um, for me, either way, he he can't be starting uh, after January. He's not good enough. I would tend to agree with you. I think he's one of a number of players, I've mentioned the midfield already, that, that hasn't stepped up following the international break. You know, Against West Brom, Chester included, was fab. And it was the reason why we won the game quite comfortably too. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Wilmot because I, <laughs> I, I put a tweet out this morning saying like I, I thought Wilmot was, I put excellent. Maybe in hindsight, excellent is a bit strong, but I thought he was one of our better players yesterday. I genuinely did, and I think that that was for his intention rather than rather than his execution. You know, he was trying to get the ball forward. His his defending, I thought, on the whole, was very good, and you know, towards the end, he was actually trying to break the lines and dribble forward and did a couple of fancy flicks, trying to disturb Bournemouth and, you know, trying to speed the game up when Bournemouth were clearly trying to slow it down. Yes, Wilmot made mistakes, possibly a similar amount to Chester, but the issue I have with him is that he wasn't trying to speed the game up. His defending was not good enough. And he was getting so many simple things wrong that, you know, Tymon was so frustrated. And I think it's because 
he he had very little help from players like Chester. You know, yeah. I think Smith been Smith benefited from dragging a midfield player away um, by Wilmot, and 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 that that wasn't offered to him by someone like Chester, who just sort of sat back. I get because of his age and because of his fitness. Maybe now he's not going to be as lively, but yeah, for the type for the type of team that we're trying to play, we need someone. Look towards the end of the game when we were losing and we really wanted to push. You had Jordan Thompson playing left back. You really did trying to cover for Chester just in case something happened, and that that's not good enough. You're right, and I I want to see Ostergaard back in. Um, I think he was dropped for a half decent reason, but I want to see him back in the team. I think he's a great defender. Um, perhaps Wilmot's not so great on the left hand side, but you know what? It's 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 got to be better than Chester, um, even though I. I, I sympathise more to him than I think other people have during his time at the club. I, I think he's been a good defender on the whole. It's time that we move on from the likes of him and Bart because this team is 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 different now. We're not backs to the wall. We're trying to play on the front foot and we can't afford, particularly when teams now are obviously trying to ping balls over the top. Chester missed a few yesterday. One in yes. particular really, really scared me. And yeah, it we, we need a replacement for him for sure. Yeah, and I, th- I think that I don't see him doing a replacement before, uh, well, in January, unless something quite cheap comes up. I mean, we all know about FFP, so we'll see how it goes, mate. Um, and just as I say, just to finish up, so the, the man of the match, Paul, um, I'll be honest with you, mate, uh, it took some serious thought to try and find three <laughs> three or four players for this one. And, and uh, you obviously, you know my thoughts on the game now, but um, I got time and Suter and Thompson. Um, in there, I mean, I suppose we haven't even mentioned Thompson, but for me, he had a brilliant game uh, last night. So anyway, in third place, uh, time in with 15%. Second was Suter with 24%. And first was Thompson with 47%. And funny mm. enough, um, a lot of Bournemouth fans jumped into the comments after the game almost instantly, as soon as I put that <laughs> out. I don't know how many Bournemouth fans must have followed me or they've used a hashtag somewhere. But um, yeah, a lot of them even voted for Davis for, for the error, which I thought was quite funny. Because clearly they got <laughs> bored on the way home, mate, to be honest. But um, yeah, Jordan Thompson, brilliant, brilliant performance, I thought. Um, he's not been given much of a chance this season, but he's rarely, he's rarely kind of caused um, any, any cause for concern. I don't think there has been anything there, really. So... Um, yeah, and probably won't kind of go onto all ground again now. But um, yeah, Thompson, I think, deserved uh, that 47%. So um, let's have a look at these Stoke City news this week. And uh, to be fair, it was quite a, a slow start to the week, mate. But uh, it very, very quickly picked up. So uh, we're talking about Suter, uh, John Suter this time. Um, so an interesting transfer rumour coming out of this week uh, as John Suter is currently playing for Scottish Club Hearts. Uh, but I believe his contract's due to come to the end uh, the end of the season. So um Ben, do you think this is the media putting two and two together and getting five? Or do you think there could actually be something in uh, Suter potentially joining the club? Um, there's been cases of brothers playing together at football clubs. I understand that. And, and you wonder whether um, yeah, whether whether Stoke have been looking at him because... I, I The thing is, I, I think certain people have been putting two and two together because Harry Suter might be leaving... John Suter is his replacement, and that, that, that's just not how football works on the no. whole. Um, I, I imagine if we are looking at John Suter, it's it's in surplus, not as a replacement. Um, I, yeah, it'd be a big risk from Stoke. I think if Harry Suter was to go, and it would be for big money, and it would be in the summer, not the winter. You'd imagine as long as we keep yes. some level of form up, um, we bring in a, a 
a replacement of a few million quid, you'd imagine, you know, someone like a Wilmot as well. I know we come in for, for less money than a few million, but, you know, you want someone established in the championship to replace someone like Harry Suter and John Suter is just not that. He might be fantastic for all I know. Hell, I have no idea what John Suter's like. I'm not going to lie. And I have no idea whether we're genuinely interested in him or not. But I imagine, if anything, it's 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 just convenient, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's the funny thing about these types of rumours, mate. How many Stoke fans have ever seen John Suter kick a ball? I'd probably say less than 5%, I reckon. Yeah. Um, and I think, as you say, people just see the, the name Suter and think, oh, he's as good as his brother. Um, you know, we're going to get him in. He's going to be the two Suter brothers together, which I must admit, I bet uh, Radio Stoke are hoping that doesn't happen because how the <laughs> heck are you going to comment <laughs> comment on that? But uh, yeah, I agree. But I, I, don't, I think it'd be, it'd be nice to see. Uh, they're not going to sign him, as you said, to to appease, you know, Harry to stay or any nonsense like that. Um, and I'll be interested to see if we've ever had brothers um, playing in the same team together, uh, maybe that might Ooh. be my inexperience, but that's one to to check out. I mean, obviously, mm. unless you can think of anything, mate, but nothing comes to mind instantly. No, I'm trying to think of anyone that was in the first team and then the academy as well. I can't think off the top of my head. No, mm. I, no. I guess I guess would we have had maybe a coach and his son, maybe someone in the, like was was like Marcus's son working in the in the physio department somewhere something like that wasn't he i don't know oh actually um oh uh Bjarne good johnson uh through with uh, the icelandic side didn't Bjarne's brother come and play for us or am i imagining that he had oh, about maybe. three sons um <laughs> thorison did um maybe I, I i don't know whether there was just rumored for the other sons to come or, or what it was but Maybe I'm going to go hot. I'm going to go with that. I think that's not... Send it in. If anybody knows of any Stoke City family that's ever played together or worked together, send it in, because we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love, to see- <laughs> love to see that, mate. Um, and speaking of uh, defenders, um, I'll be honest, mate, this this kind of took me a bit by surprise, in a way. So, so Shawcross, um, he's come out in the week and said that he thought that Mark Hughes was actually his favourite manager. Now, if I'm Tony Pulis, I'm probably a bit, I don't know, t- Taken mm. aback by that, to be honest, mate. I mean, Pulis gave him his chance, and you know, obviously, he was he was loved by by Tony, absolutely. So, and, and I know he doesn't mean it in a disrespectful way to Pulis at all. But were you a bit surprised by his comments that Hughes is actually his favourite manager? I was surprised that he went that far. Um, I, to be honest, I completely understand why Shawcross loved someone like Hughes in a sense that you know, you think of where Shawcross came from. He came from Manchester United, right? Who do not they've they've had bruiser centre backs, but they certainly don't. You know, they're 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 a class team who like to play football as well, right? Yeah. And I'm not surprised that with the with the reputation that Shawcross got with 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 Stoke and Tony Pulis in the early years, I think it was something that he wanted to shake off. He probably really did. Not in the sense that he wanted to to shake it off to go and leave, but you know, it's it's not the reputation you want protect like as a leg breaker or or mm. or, or, or a dirty player, you know. Did him no favours. Yeah, exactly right. And and Hughes helped to dispel that myth. And and I actually think Shawcross was was a much better player under the early days of Hughes than he was under Tony Pulis. So I can I can see that a little bit and and what Hughes did with Stoke of course was fantastic. Reading a little bit more insight into what was happening as well, um, 
Hughes seemed to like he knew what he was doing. Um, I, I think it was very diplomatic of him to say, I'm not sure what went wrong. I think he knew exactly what went wrong at Stoke um, and why Hughes eventually left. I thought that, yeah, as I say, was very diplomatic of him. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know you love Tony Pulis, Mike, so I can I can see yeah. why you're uh, you, you are a bit taken aback by that. Yeah, I, mean, I do. I do get it. Don't worry, I do get it. But I just thought a bit like what you referred to there. I'm surprised he came out and said it and didn't just play. Mind you, again, for, for he works for the Sentinel now, doesn't he? Uh, Shawcross and his part time. So I suppose again, it makes good headlines. So maybe it's it's the uh, he's starting to go down the media route and uh, sensational hmm. headlines uh, type of route. And, and speaking of headlines, actually, mate, before we came on, I've seen that Shawcross is about to be let go by Inter Miami. Um, oh, so the, yeah, they're going to let him go um, as part of some massive clear out and he'll be heading back to the UK. I'm not quite sure where he's going to be coming back to, but he's had a, a really difficult time. I mean, obviously he had the injuries with us. He's gone over there, played a couple of games, not really featured very much, got injured there again. Um, and now it looks like they're going to let him go on a obviously just cancel his contract, I guess, or let him run out. But he's obviously not had a good time in America by the looks of things. I'm sure personally he's probably loved it. I'm sure you know his family probably loved it. But um, I mean, in terms of the return to the UK, I mean, we we're going to mention it later, but I'll mention it now. Danny Pugh is joining the the youth uh, setup at the club. I mean, is this another scenario where Shawcross could come back and? And work for the club. Have we got even any more room for ex-players to keep joining our coaching staff? I don't, I don't know, mate, but um, I don't think he'd be a bad person to have in the club. I, I I think we've certainly got room for him in whatever capacity he wants to be here. You know, if he wants to be first-team manager, stick him in alongside Michael, I'm sure he'll be okay with it. Um, no, in a, in all seriousness, right, like, like Shawcross has had his gap year over in America now. Bring him back. You know, I he, he'd be such a great personality to bring back it, it doesn't have to be in a you know particularly at, at first a, an important capacity I think we we lost a lot when we lost players like Shawcross and Walters and the like and you know sometimes these these younger players particularly need role models and you know you look at the contracts of some of the older players at Stoke and they're expiring soon and you wonder how many of them are going to stay on. So having someone like Shawcross, who's, like I say, whatever capacity he's in, whether he's in with the under-23s, for goodness sake, and get them developing as well. But having someone like him in and around the club who know who will know it back to front, and Hal even writes for the Sentinel, we know this, and, 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 and talks about us like, you know, like a family. We've got to get him back, in my opinion. I, I, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and maybe you can do a job for six months. You never know. Mm. <laughs> maybe you could be the left-sided centre-back. There, there's your Chester replacement. <laughs> Christ, can you imagine? Uh, yeah, so that, that should be interesting, mate. But I don't know. To be fair, I don't know about Danny Pugh. I mean, he's been at Vale since he left Stoke. I mean, he's <laughs> managed um And it's nothing even to do with the Vale link. It's just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how these interviews go. Mm. I, I don't. What is he bringing to the club that you can say, well, I've done this, this, and this, like any normal coach would. You know, I've been coaching at this level for this many years. I don't know. I'd be interested to see what it is there. I mean, you trust the club to make the right decision, but I thought that was a bit left field, to be honest. 
but oh well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what Danny Pugh does. I mean, either way, if it's at the youth level, um, I think again, it's one of them people who carries themselves really well and is a good example to club, like you mentioned. So um, maybe that's just enough uh, for us as, as well. Um, and uh, one thing I wanted to mention as well, mate. So <laughs> there's been a, f- a few random things this week, but I think one uh, nice thing which I saw, which I think most Stoke fans would be uh, raising a smile to. Um, 13 years ago uh, this week, we made a certain player cry due to being bombarded with throw-ins. <laughs> Do you have any idea who I'm maybe referring to? Oh, I mean, I'm sure we've made plenty cry in private, to be fair. Um, Jorge Gomez, right? Yeah, absolutely, mate. It, it came up on the Sentinel, and that image of him crying, I can't remember who was consoling him, but he was crying, and then the referee uh, was standing next to him. I can picture his face, but I can't remember his name. Um, and he's looking at him in, like, what an idiot. Like, grow up, stop <laughs> crying. I just love that look. That should be a caption somewhere, but oh mate, just yeah, those throw-ins again. It's a conversation for another day, but I just thought it was hilarious when when that popped up. To be honest, um, and I know they sandwiched that with somebody jumping the gates as well, mate. Um, I must admit, there's got to be easier ways of getting to your seat ahead of the game than than trying to jump, you know, the security islands or whatever the heck he did. But I think there was some like they had the armed police and the police dogs out. I mean. I don't know what goes through people's minds, mate, but um, yeah, I definitely said it's preferred. Uh, there's other preferred ways of getting to your game, getting to the game, and getting your seat early. I think. So yeah, mm, yeah. I, I, I heard that um, that uh, Kevin Bimmer heard that the buffet was back on, so we, <laughs> we wanted to get back in the building quick. I I would as well, to be fair. We've had the food down Stoke and and actually up in the up in the posh streets. It's quite nice, to be fair. So. Let's be honest, though, mate. Vemma wouldn't be able to jump high enough to get over those gates, would he? Well, that, that's why he made so much noise climbing over. Well, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll certainly see uh, what comes of that, mate. But just, just some of the stuff you see, and I don't know what goes people through people's mind, mate. But anyway, um, I must admit, I put out a poll. Uh, not poll, sorry. Uh, it was more of a, a few kind of comments, and I knew it was going to be a bit provocative, to be fair. But uh, a pen- penalty taker poll. Did you see this that we put out, Ben? You might not have I'll done. be honest, I, I must have missed this. No, it's been a busy week for me, so no, I've missed it. So please do enlighten me and anyone else that might not have seen it either. Yeah, so it was a poll, basically. Um, I keep saying poll, it's not a bloody poll. Um, it was a, <laughs> a post that I put out. And um, yeah, it was for the, for the actual Facebook group uh, that I mentioned earlier and also the Twitter feed. And I'll be honest, I expected a few replies, but we had probably an excess of 50-odd comments. And I mean, I'll read a couple <laughs> out. But basically, um, I was asked Stoke, to, basically Stoke fans just to imagine if it's the playoff final this season and you can bring one player in to score a last-minute penalty in that final which one would it be from a few options? So I tried to think about you know, the best penalty takers, etc. And I opted for Beatty, Lawrence, Walters and Fuller, all players that have been very, very prolific over, over the years for us. Now, before I give you kind of an overview of the way that people went, and I'll read some comments out. Uh, who would you have chosen, Ben, in terms of your one man? Am I choosing from out of those players? Or? Uh, I'll let you have your own. But yeah, if you can choose from them, great. But I'll let you have your own if you've got one. Oh, see, it's difficult because Walter's scored a few and I liked his technique. Um, but I, I'm going to say Walter's from out of the ones you've said, but I'm going to go with Higginbotham, actually. Uh, interesting. I did see that, that name pop up a couple of times. Mm. He just literally smashed it, didn't he? The real yeah. 
old-fashioned way of either you'll go in the net with the ball, uh, Mr. Goalkeeper, or you'll be that scared you'll jump out of the way. Exactly right. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, what, what a player Higgy, Higgy was anyway. Um, but, yeah, there was, as I said, there was a number of comments. I'm not going to read them all out, but... Um, so Mark Bradbury, uh, James Beattie uh, was his choice. He said his goals kept us in the Premier League. Shame he fell out with Pulis. Otherwise, he'd still be there with the best of them. Uh, Philip Kelsall said, if I could have pick, uh, just sorry, if I could pick a young one of them, it'll be Ricardo. Uh, there wasn't anything that he couldn't do on a football field, and I, I must admit, a number of people agreed with that one. Um, Ivan, uh, he went with this one, mate. He went with Higginbottom. Even mm-hmm. if the keeper guessed right, the chances uh, where it would still go in. Because, like I said, he'll go in with the ball. Uh, you know, Russell Blood as well was one. So he said, um, Higginbottom every time. And I don't care that he wasn't one of the choices. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's sharing a, a lot of a lot of common themes. But honestly, mate, there was a insane amount of comments that we had back from that. So um, thanks to everyone who, who contributed. Like, genuinely, it was over 50 responses and I couldn't possibly uh, get them in. But I'll be honest with you, mate, the, the majority of people off the Facebook group... Um, the majority went for BT. A lot of people went for BT. Um, one people wanted John Ritchie as well. Uh, so Johnny mm. Walters got a number of comments. I mean, uh, Alex Thorley said, you know, I love the others, but BT was by far the best. It has to be him. I mean, I could literally keep going for half an hour on this. But yeah, I just thought it was a nice bit of fun to get out there. And I'm not surprised to see Higginbottom's name put up. Maybe I was a bit... Um, but short-sighted with that one. I mean, not many people went for Fuller, which I'm surprised people didn't go for Fuller. He's a, he's a bit of a god for some people. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, let's look ahead to this weekend, shall we, Ben? So um, as we know, we've got Millwall, and I've been looking at some of the actual stats. Now, I know we haven't exactly been overly positive on this pod so far. I think we've done our best, but um, <laughs> these not going to really cheer you up at all so in our last six fixtures against Millwall and the reason I picked six by the way is because we've only really played them six times since the actual promotion season or pre-promotion season so uh, last six fixtures uh, we don't have the best of records so we've won one drawn three and lost two Um, overall it's been really drab results as well mate I mean those three draws have all been nil nil Um, I think the win that we had was one nil um, as well and that came on the 13th of August 2005 um, so uh, quite some time ago. I mean, if you look at Millwall's start to the season, mate, it's been a, been ropey anyway. I mean, they've only won like four, I think, from, from their kind of 13 games. And I looked as well, because something I don't actually do very much of, but I looked at the home uh, versus away kind of form table. Uh, so they're 18th at home, which opens a door potentially for us. Um, and then we sit, however, on the away table, we sit in 15th. So um, to me, those stats just scream boring, Nil nil, one nil, either way. Um, so yeah, I know that Rowett's been gaining. I don't know if you've seen it, but Rowett's been gaining an absolute shed load of stick uh, from the Millwall fans at home. Like a bit, a bit like the um, what was the what was the chant we used to which out for Rowett uh, towards the back end of his time? Gary Rowett, your football is. They're already on his back, mate. And from what they're saying, it's actually one of their more. Um, they're better teams in recent years. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I say, I'm sorry, mate. It's not exactly the, the most pleasant of, of stats, but um, it doesn't look very positive. No, it doesn't. Um, I, I I never look forward to playing against Millwall. Who would? They, they, they're, they're a team that frustrates me greatly, um, particularly when, as you say, you see the starts of the season they've had. And actually, last season as well, they they you know, what on course for breaking the draw record. 
um, in the championship, and it looks like they're on the way to try and do it again. Um, and we know what Gary Rowett's like as well, you know, s- snatching jaws from the from the jaws of victory. So we're, I, I I can't see the game for us going any other way either. To be honest, we're away from home in a stadium that we're not going to like with Millwall fans back, and. Oh God! <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch this one. Yeah, um, I must admit, mate. If you can find something else to do, maybe, maybe do something else. I think it's going to be, it's going to be one of them. I mean, you know what? It's probably if Powell is out, then it's probably a good thing because you can see him getting kicked about there. Mm. And I think um, again, O'Neill, that'll be on his mind. Maybe he'll just rest him for Millwall um, and then bring him in next week. And that's if he. To be fair, we're talking as if it's just a slight knock. I mean. He could be out for a lot longer than two weeks. So mm. let's kind of wait and see. But um, I must admit, mate, I would normally kind of bring in Graham McGarry's audio, uh, and I will I will do at this particular point. But um, I, I one thing I would say, now Dan has a very good habit of waiting until he hears what Graham uh, has to say in terms of his prediction before actually giving the prediction um, he would have given. He basically just loves copying off Graham. So uh, I'm going to ask you first, Ben. Um, what okay. is your general prediction uh, for for Millwall this weekend? What's the result going to be? Okay, I'm going to go with one-one Stoke. That's my first prediction. My second Great. prediction is that Sam Sorridge misses Sitter, <laughs> and my third prediction is that Gary Rowett gets sent off. <laughs> Gary Rowett gets sent off. Come on, Graham McGarry, match that a day. <laughs> to be honest, mate, um, uh, let's have a quick listen and see exactly what he had to say. Hi there, it's Graham McGarry again, back with the Potter's prediction. Things have just gone a little bit AWOL in the last two games, but surely Stoke can get back to winning ways at the Den against one of their former managers in Gary Rowett when they take on Millwall. Injury to Nick Powell's a little bit worrying. Will he be fit? Won't he be fit? Let's hope they can work wonders in the treatment room and get him out onto the pitch. But I think it's going to be a hard game. Millwall a bit under pressure. But Stoke are due to bounce back, especially if they want to be in that playoff stroke promotion chasing pack. Millwall 1, Stoke 2. Graham, thanks very much, as always, mate, for sending that in, or Mystic uh, McGarry. Uh, let's try and call you. So, um, yeah, as always, he's gone for his trusty 2-1 uh, result. And Ben, you know, again, like I say, mate, I think we'll just not let Dan come back, mate. If he's going to keep copying off, off Graham and, and hope he gets it right one of these weeks, uh, then uh, he can stay away. Um, but, no, let, let's see how we go. I mean, I, I must admit, uh, Graham, I think this week, mate, we're not going to see three goals in this game. Uh, again, look at all those previous fixtures. There's not been more than two or something stupid like that. So um, who knows? Maybe you'll show me up. You probably know more than I do. Um, and uh, yeah, so just uh, one thing as well before we go into uh, some great audio we have from Millwall. So we actually asked uh, the fans, as always, to give us their views on what the result's going to be. Um, and I'll be honest, I think this kind of it's interesting in terms of how people are thinking now. So I reckon two weeks ago, you would never have, would have had these results. So um with an excess of 60 results today so far. So uh, we've got Millwall um, to win at 38%. We've got a draw at 32%. And then we have um, Stoke at 30%, or just slightly over 30%. So the majority of Stoke fans, Ben, think that Millwall are going to win. Um, it's turned quite quickly, don't you think, in terms of people's thoughts? Mm, mm, somewhat, I guess. 
this is Stoke fans mellowing out a little bit now after 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 a good start to the season. Well then, I, I I'm I'm not pessimistic. I'm really not. Like like yes, I I'm convinced that top two is beyond us now, apart from some maybe magic in January. But I still think top six is on. We've just played against three great teams essentially, and we've got one good result from them. And you know, some some glimmers of hope still in there. We've still got players to come back. Tyrese Campbell's still to come back. Abdallah Seymour, we don't even know what he's like yet. Um, I forgot all about him. <laughs> exactly, right? He he could be the next Mbappe for all we know. Um and 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 someone like Nick Powell, like we missed him. We really did against Bournemouth. And to see him back in the team with someone like Tyrese Campbell in, I mean, I mean, just just feed it to me. Chef's kiss. Like Come on, we, there's there's potential in this Stoke team. Do not get despondent yet. And we've, you know, this this league is appalling this year. I mean, yes, Bournemouth yes. Bournemouth were good on the day, right? But they, for me, they they weren't top of the league quality as we've seen in other seasons. And I think this league is this league is as wide open as it ever has been since we've been here. It is, mate. And I think you know, if we would have all looked at their fixtures, which I know we all did, we looked at the fixtures coming up and, you know, we had a good start to the season. We knew that this month was going to be solid to get West Brom, you know, Sheffield United and Bournemouth, arguably the three teams of all three teams are going to be up there. I mean, if you look at those fixtures, I would have, I'll be honest with you, I would have hoped for, for four points, maybe. Um, I know we only got one in the end, but, you know, that that is football. But after this, if you look at our fixture list, and I'd love anyone to go and do this, look at the fixture list for the rest of the season. I, On paper, there is no way we have any other months like that. Hmm. Uh, we've all got the Prestons, you know, might have a Preston, then a Sheffield um, at home, but then, I don't know, a Peterborough. You know, there, there are no strings of th- two or three games where we've got potentially the top two or top three type teams. So um, we just had to get a good points total to get to this point to now go and focus on those games that we we know we can win against the mid-tables, you know, you know the Peterboroughs, the Hulls, all those, those teams we should be beating. So when people say, you know, these are the games we need to win, that's what, like I said earlier, I disagree with you. I think these now are the games we need to win because this is where they'll pick points up. And let's be honest, mate, Bournemouth aren't going to go all season without getting beat. So they're going to drop points at some point. Mm. Sheffield United are, but um, West Brom will, uh, Fulham will. Everyone's going to drop points. You've said it yourself. This is a poor division. It has been for a number of years. There's always been a couple of, of good teams that have kind of done really well. But last season, mate, we had a shocking run after, after what, Christmas time. And somehow we were in the playoff package somewhere you know that top eight top ten where you know two wins would have put us in there we were in that for most of the season that just shows what a shocking division it is so um yeah as you said don't get despondent um keep obviously your heads up and and just just look ahead now we're in for a good season i don't doubt that for a second so um and you know if anything's going to cheer you up anyway um it's going to be some of the audio from uh, nick from the Millwall podcast he's he's basically given us a bit of an overview on uh, benicophobia he was obviously going to be making a return uh well he would be sorry make a return normally against us obviously he's on loan so we can't do that but um either way yeah um you'll see exactly what he's got to say and like i said earlier um not too uh, not too complimentary about gary rowett Hello, London calling, London calling to the faraway towns, including Stoke. Um, thank you for inviting me on your show. 
This is Nick Hart of Achtung Millwall Podcast. And you're asking about Saturday's fixture, Millwall versus Stoke City at the Den. Um, the truth of the game is it actually could be quite a cataclysmic Den occasion. What do I mean by that? Well, um, Gary Rowett is, um, has been in charge of the Lions for uh, about two years or so, 100 games. I think it was his 100th um, anniversary game last Saturday, a very poor home defeat to Luton Town, 2-0. Um, very drab showing by Mill standards. And if there's one thing that you cannot get away with at the Den, it is lack of effort. And a long-term project that seems to produce nothing but dreary football. And we haven't been a threat at home for a long time. So from the Stoke City point of view, I'm sure that you could regard it as being a fortuitous time to be playing Millwall. A um, lot of pressure on Gary Rowett. When the den turns, as it did on Saturday at home to Luton, it can be a very toxic environment. And um, the cat calls and booing for the Lions, particularly after the second goal went in for Luton, was um, not pleasant to be um, a witness to. I think, if depending on how tonight's game, as I record these words to you, um, we're playing Sheffield United, how that goes. Um, Saturday's game could be a real turning point for Rowett and his, and his style, which is based very defensively. You'll know about him in Stoke, of course. Um, he has a certain way of playing, um, three-man defence, wing-backs, um, and very, very tight defensively, which is fine if it produces winning football, but um, it's boring Mill without the winning football at the moment for us. And as I've said already, the Den, when it turns, doesn't uh, often come back again. Um, for some time, really, Gary Rowett, I mean, shielded from a lot of criticism last season with the, you know, the lockdown season, the closed stadiums and so on. Um, but the return of the fans, we've also suffered a, a lot of injuries, um, and that you know that start as that excuse is starting to wear thin now as players return from the the injured list back to good health. Um, the strange thing is, and the real contradiction with Gary Rowett is that this is actually one of the more talented uh, Millwall squads um, by by our standards, including Benic Afobe, um, who is on loan to us for the season. Um, Benick is clearly a very talented player. We have other talented players in the squad. Benick particularly shows good skill on the ball for me. But he's being misused. Um, we seem to want to use him as a target man, and that's not Benick's game. And as with so much in this Gary Rowett-created squad, we seem to have all the ingredients, all the right notes, but they're not being played in necessarily the right order. So it could be a, a dramatic afternoon, Um at the den on Saturday, um, so strap your you know your seatbelts in and get ready for a ride. If if Stoke score early, and I looking at the league table, I don't know much about Stoke, so I'm not going to presume to comment too much on on your squad. But you seem to be doing well, and at home we've struggled. So if Stoke score early, then the uh, the the, the theatre uh, drama will unfold before your very eyes. Um, I'm hoping that we can get an early goal and settle those nerves and get ahead of the game. If we can, then we can be a very difficult team to beat. Um, Rowett's defensive style suits getting ahead early and holding on for grim death. Um, if we go behind early, then I don't know where it's going to finish, dear listeners. Um, but there we are. So 
expect the unexpected, I think, is my main message to all you Stoke listeners. Thank you for inviting me on the show. This is Nick Hart from Achtung Millwall, at Achtung Millwall, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Signing off for the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Arriva Dirty Millwall. Yeah, Nick, thank you so much for your time there, mate. Really good insights in terms of, obviously, a phobie, especially it sounds like, you know, he's he's done pretty well. But, he, I mean, yeah, if he's being used as a target man, mate, then um, absolutely that's kind of, that's not what he wants. You know, you want a phobie running in. So uh, I must admit, I'm quite pleased he won't be playing against us because, te- you know, players who, who've been with us in the past love scoring against us. So uh, we'll avoid that one nicely. But, um, well, let's just go into the kind of team selections then, Ben, if, if you don't mind, mate. So, um What's your kind of team for for this weekend? Are you changing too much at all? Or? Um, I think the basic structure is there, but I'm going back a little bit to how we were at the start of the season. I'm going for, I think recently we've been playing more of a 3-4-3 a three, three formation. You know what I mean? With sort of yeah. the five defenders at the back, two in midfield, two pivots in midfield. And you've had someone like Vrancic as one inside forward. Powell is another inside forward. I think Kluke has played there. Um against Bournemouth and uh, as much as it works against West Brom I think we're at a point now where two strikers would really help us so um, if I'm running through changes I'm sticking with Davis and goal um, I am going to drop James Chester and bring Ostergaard back in I think one of the only reasons why he hasn't been playing the last couple of games is O'Neill said he's ill or he certainly pulled out of training the day before the Bournemouth game so hopefully he's he's fit enough to come back in ahead of this one uh, Smith and Tymon on the wings, I think that's fair. Although, you know, Alfie Doughty is probably due a shout at some point. We've not seen an awful lot of him. Um, Joe Allen has to play just because he's captain. Uh, like, that's not me saying because I want him to. That's just me saying, you know, Michael O'Neill's going to pick him. Let's face it. Yeah. Um, Jordan Thompson, I think you're right. He's not done an awful lot wrong. I, You perhaps more a little bit more complimentary of him than me. Uh, but I wonder whether that's just the system letting him down a couple of times in the last few games rather than his ability, which, yeah, I think he's looked fairly comfortable on the ball, winning balls back, so I'd have him in there. I'd bring Romain Sawyers back in for this one. Personally, I, I think against a team like Millwall, we're going to need to break them down with a couple of bits of flair, and he's the player to do that. Although he's, you know, he's for me, a little bit hot and cold, I think he's he's got to come in. Um, and... It, it's it's controversial, but I'm I'm gonna leave Ranchich out of this one. I think when he came on 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 Tuesday night, he 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 looked good, but he didn't look quite himself. And I wonder whether against a team like Millwall, he could do with a bit of a break. So I'm going with Brown and Sorridge up front. Um, maybe Ranchich is someone to come on, and and actually, I I know we've got a cup game next week, so maybe that's the time to give him a rest instead. But it's it's not for his ability because you know Ranchers has has been fantastic this season, but I do wonder whether we need to be um, a little bit quicker in our play, and that's why I've gone for Sawyer's over Ranchers in this one. Mm, you know what, mate? You've almost chosen exactly the same as what I would have done. So uh, great minds and all that, but no, absolutely, mate. I did exactly the same at the back. I dropped Chester um, as well, but I think you're not going to be a big surprise after my comments earlier, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> Ostergaard, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to drop timing out. I think um, Doughty, I think I'd probably bring him in, uh, as I say, in the cup. But uh, timing for me has been the bright spark uh, almost all season. And some of the crosses last night were, were brilliant in fairness to him. Uh, we just didn't 
just enough people breaking the neck to try and get in there. But um, yeah, so again, Thompson and Allen, I'm keeping in the midfield. I think we need that that solidity. Uh, Francis, I'm keeping in, actually. Uh, I think Mario, mm. again, in a tight game, I've said this at the very first pod, I think in a tight game, those types of players where they can deliver across, they can you know, get a great free kick, that those little margins could quite get us over the line, to be honest, especially mm. in a 1-0 in a tab scenario, which I think it, it could very well be. Um, so I think, yeah, Mario comes in. And uh, uh, yeah, I think, I guess, like you say, it depends who replaces um, Powell in a way. I mean, if we go up to up front, I would definitely have Jacob in there. Um, I don't know, maybe even uh, bring Fletcher back, mate, to be honest. Mm, mm. Um, I think he's been a bit unfortunate this season. He, when he's come on, he's looked lively. So I wouldn't be averse to to bringing um, him on just as a bit of hold-up play and, and bringing a few players around. But failing that, I'd do what you were going to do um, and bring in Sawyers. Um, I think Sawyers is definitely an option there as well. So, um, yeah, I think Tyrese, I think we've already mentioned, mate, Tyrese is not... Um, really ready to, to come back yet. Uh, maybe another one again to stretch the defence uh, at some point during the game. But um, yeah, so very much uh, similar thoughts, mate. And um, I'm, I'm definitely going to go for my prediction of kind of 1-0. I think it'll be a very scrappy 1-0. Mm. Mm, lovely. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much does it for, for this week's pod. And, and like I said, Ben, um, thank you ever so much for obviously sparing some time. Um, really do appreciate it, mate. And um, I think if I can make it a permanent fixture uh, and not have Dan back, then uh, that will do me quite nicely. And I'm sure nobody else wants to hear him either. So um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan, you really don't deserve that, mate. But um, I can say what I like because he isn't here. So, <laughs> so thank you very much for joining me, mate. I do appreciate it. No, you're very welcome, and 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 as as much as it's been nice to to come on the podcast, you know, you and Dan started this together. I think it's only right that that you guys come back and 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 continue the great start that you made with this podcast. As I, as I've said on other media, if if other people haven't heard on it, um, good job for starting this up, and and you know, you've picked a good season to have started it, but let's 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 hope your momentum continues as well as we hope that Stokes will. Absolutely, mate. Well, a great time to start a promotion winning pod, eh? That's, we'll take that. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you again to everyone who's listened. Um, and as always, the pods are back every Friday at 7am. Make sure you f- share with friends and family. It's always appreciated and it grows that family a little bit more. So, uh, finally again for me, Ben, thank you very much. And everyone, we will see you all next week. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt. A classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue, but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. 
This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters. Because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.